0: Welcome to the BT Focus podcast, dedicated to the behavior technician experience and the delivery of ABA services. Welcome back to the BT Focus podcast. My name is Dan. I'm your guest host, and I'm joined again by Victoria.
1: Hello. Hello.
0: And I think it was last week I was just talking to you about um, a holiday that's coming up, Halloween, and. Um, how your little man is going to be dressed up for Halloween well, yes. what's, what's he going to be
1: So we're going with the shark so he's going to be a little shark this year um we're really excited it's adorable um so what okay. are you planning on for Halloween
0: um so I'm my Halloween costume is very ambiguous um I kind of just threw together what I had in the home because you know like COVID-19 and everything it's and we're having like shipping issues they're saying to get everything shipped as as early as possible if you want something so i was like you know what let me just put together what i have in the house so i don't know how to describe mine i mean i'm going to be like an an alien thing with like a a face mask and a cloak <laughs> so it's not it's not, it's not as intense the last couple holidays i um for for one of them i was like a 70s like retro guy another one i was jack frost you know who jack frost is yeah yeah, okay, cool. Um, so I usually like go all out. Um, but what are you gonna be? Are you dressing up as
1: anything? So we're not really doing too much. A little man's like five months old, so we're not we're not really going trick or treating, um, so I'm not dressing up this year. But I got it next year. Like next year, I have a whole year to plan, and like we will be in costume as a family.
0: <laughs> okay, awesome. Um, so our kiddos are probably getting ready for Halloween as well. By the time that we're recording this, um, it is right before Halloween. So Victoria and I are like probably planning with our kiddos about what Halloween might look like. Random strangers might show up to your house and ask for candy. Uh, just dependent. So. Probably by the time you guys are hearing this, you guys are past Halloween and you're ready for our next holiday. But for Victoria and I, since we're doing this podcast, like we were talking about Halloween um, and it's it didn't used to be my favorite holiday, but now it is. Yes. So super fun. let us get let us get to our topic of today, which is going to be C7. We're moving on. We were doing C6 last time. We'll be doing implementing discrimination training for this topic. And how we usually break these down is we talk about those those WH questions in regards to this topic. What, why, when, how, just to give you a better idea of what that might look like on your day-to-day basis or when you are teaching discrimination training with your client. So let's start out with like that first WH question that most people start out with, and that's the what. So, what is discrimination training?
1: Yeah, so discrimination training is essentially just reinforcing a behavior in the presence of one stimulus. We call it the SD, but not others or the S delta. So, when the S delta is present, um, reinforcement is not available. So. Example reinforcing when the client picks the red card in the presence of the stimulus pick red, but not in the presence of the stimulus pick blue.
0: Yeah. In a great example. Uh, I love that example. And whenever we're talking about that SD, a lot of the times what you guys are probably thinking now is like, we're uh, signaling to the client that reinforcement is available. And that's what we want. We want our client to understand that as soon as an SD is presented that we're looking for that correct response. And as soon as that correct response happens, we provide that reinforcement. Now, this might be the first time that you've heard S-delta, or you may have briefly touched on it when you went through your online modules, or even briefly touched on it when you were discrimination training, when you were in person with your supervising clinician and your client. But yeah, essentially, as Victoria has pointed out here, that L S delta means that reinforcement will not be provided there. So that's that stimulus delta. And whenever I'm in my trainings, um, I had mentioned this in the past before, I do uh, safety care training, QBS. I also get a lot of questions about how do we know our client is receptively understanding language or how do we teach receptive language? Because expressive language is quite simple to see, right? We're getting that expressive information and we can digest that a lot more easier than that receptive language. This is a great tool to see and understand if your client is garnering that receptive language. Thus, when we are using this discrimination training, we can start to understand your client's capacity to receive and comprehend language. And then we really do start to see that in the response that they admitted. So the example that Victoria gave here, which was um, that pick red, right? We also might see that in other programs such as Give Me or Touch. That's all receptive language that your client is understanding. And so that's also kind of touches a little bit on the why, which we'll get here in a second. But the what, great explanation there. So now let's move on to why is discrimination training important? What do you think?
1: Yeah, so discrimination is a generalized skill, so it can be applied with different targets and environments, right? So we want the client to be able to know the book from the book bag. We want them to know, you know, the book from the plate. We want them to know, you know, what item it is that is we're asking for at the time because that's how we're teaching it typically is show me, give me like you said, these are all receptive identification type tasks. And then eventually we want that to generalize into their bigger environment, when they go to school, when they're with their guardians, when they're with Peers, right? Um, so this can be applied with discriminating between receptive labels, verbal instructions, intraverbal social interactions. Um, we just really want to make sure that the client can learn to discriminate and respond correctly to SDs, rather than guessing that this is what you're looking for, right? We don't want them to just be like, oh, I, I you know, we we see them scroll or just. One, two, three, right? Because they're not really sure which one. And a lot of times this causes frustration. They get very frustrated that like we're they're not finding the right answer that we're looking for. So this is a really good idea to use. You're always going to follow your supervising clinician's um, plan, right? But this is a really great thing to use when maybe an array of three is too much for the client, right? We can start with just that one card that we're showing them and teaching them repetitive repetitively um over session and then we start adding in distractors to kind of differentiate
0: yes and this also like focuses on that important part of that generalization and when we start to look at that sd and that s delta and very very well explained and also like in terms of generalization i like how you had mentioned um we won't we don't want to see that guessing. We don't want to see that roading or that just random picking. So it's important for you to get that joint attention, that attending before you start to deliver that SD, because it's a little bit different once you do deliver that SD, if you are teaching discrimination training there, you don't you want that S delta there as well. So it kind of gave me an idea of calling back, oh, maybe I could apply discrimination training here, right? Versus attending versus not attending. Um, And so great example, as you had stated specifically when the client goes back to school, right? We wanna make sure that they're discriminating the information that they have received in our session in terms of like receptive labels, verbal instructions, objects and pictures as you have identified. All right, so we answered the why, which great explanation there as well. Now let's answer the when. So when do we teach? So we most likely will be teaching discrimination training with a client that has not received ABA treatment before so it's considered that beginner program there additionally it's vitally important for you guys to have that instructional control so we get this instructional control through pairing so it's really important that you do have that pairing as well as as i stated you really do have to get that joint attention there and we want to make sure that the objects that you are using you can discriminate against easily so in your in your experiences when have you taught discrimination training with your client or clients in the past.
1: Yeah, that's a really, I really just want to touch on like, that's a really great point that you really want to have joint attention. I think that it a lot of these subjects are going to keep coming up in these podcasts because they, we stack them on top of each other, right? It's all part of a big cohesive thing we do in session. Um, so joint attention is so important before trying to teach anything, especially discrimination training. So I really like that. Um, so recently, um, d- just discriminating um, during hand washing. And so identifying the different parts of the hands that need to be rinsed off, right? So a lot of times I'll use the SD rub when the soap is on the hands, but during rinsing, I'll say rinse, but during rinsing, the, I also identify parts of the hand to rinse. So top, together, and then wrist. Now I have to be careful when I say wrist to really enunciate wrist versus rinse. So we work on identifying wrist versus rinse. And we've worked on this multiple times during session so that we can discriminate between the two. And so this is more of a verbal, right? As um, to be paired with the body part, um, but it's so it's less of objects and cards, but it is discrimination training as far as being able to identify what action versus what body part needs the to happen, right?
0: Yeah, and I mean, this example is just so perfect because the language you used is vitally important when we're teaching discrimination training. If you'll notice specifically, which I know you did because you gave me the example, but you were using language that had very simple one or two word commands. So we don't want the client to be confused during this time. So the rub, a single word, the rents, a single word, and then teaching the discrimination between the two. And it also recalled a memory of something that you and I have gone through in the past where it focuses on discrimination and how important that is and how even you and I still use this on a day-to-day basis. Um, We teach also a capstone class, which you guys have probably already went through the capstone class or are going to go through a capstone class. And um, at the beginning of the class, we have the students sign in. And I have noticed that if I don't simplify my language and tell them specifically in one line, put the information in, I'll get, all different responses so if I tell them I want your information I'll get everyone's first name and then I'll get the second thing I want from them so I really have to focus on that simple language to teach that discrimination right and make it very clear for them which is what you did here with the washing hands So great example of when we're teaching that and a very natural example as well so now how do we implement discrimination teaching we have different approaches but how do you think that we implement it
1: Yeah, um, so I think we have to start with teaching the item or the task or action by itself, right? We don't want any distractors because that can become confusing and cause a lot of frustration at first. So when we're initially teaching something, whatever that something is, we want to make sure we're teaching it alone, by itself. So if we're really focused on teaching this one thing and we're using discrimination training, you'll see lots of repetition until that's mastered by itself. Then what likely your clinician is going to have you do is add in a distractor. And so then we want the client to be able to identify the mastered target that they've previously um, mastered with the distractor now. So we want them to discriminate between the item they've learned and the distractor, right? And then we gradually extend that array. And then we start using natural environment examples so they can start generalizing those things.
0: Yeah, and you're a supervising clinician, and you will work together as well on this to decide what items that you're going to choose. Um, So as you specifically stated, we are focusing on that one item, teaching that item, um, that receptive label, and then moving on to that distractor item or that non-district item, and then teaching that as well together. And then, of course, you get that master of criteria for each time you run that. And here, we also want to make sure that we are choosing, like I had mentioned before, those 3D physical objects. So we're not just choosing a picture. um, Because most of the time, a client in the future will not just have a picture readily available. They'll have that 3D object in person. As well as we want to make sure the items that we choose are not so much reinforcing. Because most likely, if they are, your client will choose that item over the other items as well. So usually we're looking for a more neutral item and your supervising clinician will will train that as well and a lot of the times you guys start with those 3d objects such as a cup or a shoe and we have those very natural examples of all right if you want water you have to go grab a cup and going and grabbing a cup you have to discriminate what a cup is where the cup is located so there's a lot you need to discriminate there in terms of your shoes if you want to go outside you got to go get your shoes right So if you go and grab a cup instead of a shoe, then we're not discriminating that we are going outside or discriminating between those two objects, as well as we're not gonna get that SD of going outside. We're instead gonna get that stimulus delta of, all right, well, you're supposed to grab your shoes, but you grabbed a cup, so we can't go outside (laughs) until you get your shoes. Um, And your supervising clinician will see that, and they'll be able to identify that as well. Same with your family. And they'll give feedback as to, what you need help with or what your client needs help with specifically here in discrimination. Now we do have an example here and I think Victoria, you've already given us like great examples so far, specifically about, you know, what we're going to discriminate. Um, and I, I, also liked how you said like, you know, you might run so, a lot of trials in one period of time and you may run less or start another program. It's just dependent on your client, your supervising clinician. But the example that we have here, so we're teaching, what do you read with? And the response that we're looking for would be a book, right? And then we teach that. We must use that in a specific period of time with no distractors, as Victoria had pointed out. And we're going to look at that successive discrimination training. Now, of course, as you also stated, it can be more, it can be less. And then what's the next thing we move on to after we teach that book?
1: Yeah. So the second part is we teach another object. So what do you sleep in? right? So it would be a bed, right? So we teach first, what do you read with a book? What do you sleep in? A bed, right? Um, And so we teach that the same way. You may see lots of repetition. You may see you're running that trial a lot of times during session. And then the third step, um, Dan, do you want to take that one?
0: Sure. And then in that situation, you're going to have those random rotations. So now you've taught both separately, and now you're going to see if you can randomly rotate them to make sure that the information that you taught is being retained and applied. And your client is receptively labeling when you present the SD of what do you sleep in? A bed. And in that situation, the stimulus delta would be a book. And then what do you read with? and you're looking for that SD of that, a book, or the SD of what do you read with, and then you're looking for that correct response of a book, and then that stimulus delta would be that opposite one. So in those situations, we're always looking for a mastery of criteria and your supervising clinician will outline that in your iPad. And we're looking to teach each of those separately and put them together. And your client is able to discriminate between what you sleep in and what you read with. So, great example there. Now, we also have some examples of some discrimination training with social interactions, which is fun because this is something where we get to apply what we're learning to our daily lives. And these just make sense to me, such as telling jokes may be reinforced in the presence of peers, but not in the presence of your teacher, Um, dependent on the time. I'm guessing we're assuming here that we're in class, right? So it's probably not an appropriate time to to just raise your hand and tell a knock-knock joke. Um, do you have another example of discrimination training with social interactions?
1: Yeah, so maybe um something like giving hugs, maybe reinforced in the presence of family or friends, but not the cashier at Kroger, right? <laughs>
0: yes, exactly. Great example there. Um my client loves hugs right now, and we want to make sure that we're discriminating between like that appropriate social interaction, right? Yeah. So so Like, we want to make sure that we're discriminating that as well. It's a great example. Another one that we have is like giving out personal information, maybe reinforced in the presence of family friends, but not in the presence of strangers. And I am at this point with my client, uh, I'm teaching discrimination training as well, because sometimes like, you know, there's appropriate personal information that you can share with your family. But technically, as technicians, we are not family, although we get really close to the families. So we need to discriminate like, okay, if you're talking to your family, I'm sure that you would discuss with your family, you know, how much money your family has. But if you're talking to someone that's outside of your family, probably not an appropriate question to ask, how much money do you have in your bank, right? Um, and so I, I love that because that gave me an opportunity to teach discrimination training When's appropriate, when it's not. So great examples there. So all great examples. Um, and we've actually come to the end of this topic. So we're going to go through our standard questions. Um, I don't remember. I haven't had the best memory. We've been out for like a week. Um, But do you remember who went first last time?
1: I don't remember, but let's have you go first this time.
0: All right. I'll go first this time.
1: (laughs) So when teaching your client to discriminate between cup and ball, which stimulus is the S delta for the response of pointing to the ball? A, ball, or B,
0: Remember that S delta, that stimulus delta, is reinforcement not being given. So we're looking for the cup response here for this answer. Because of course, when we present the SD, we want the client to point to the ball.
1: That's correct, you got it.
0: Awesome, question for you. This is a long one, so stick with me. Why is discrimination training important? And I want you to select all that apply, A, discrimination is a generalized skill. B. Discrimination training teaches the client to respond correctly in the presence of certain stimuli instead of just guessing. C. Discrimination training teaches a client to respond similarly to different stimuli. Or D. Discrimination can be applied with receptive labels, interverbal social interaction, verbal instructions, etc. All
1: right. So I'm going to go with A discrimination is a generalized skill just like we were talking about we want a lot of times want it to generalize but sometimes maybe not so much <laughs> um, yes. B discrimination training teaches the client to respond correctly in the presence of certain stimuli instead of just guessing so we if we ask them to go with their book bag we don't want them to bring us a cup right and then D, Discrimination can be applied with receptive labels, intraverbal, social interactions, and verbal instructions. We would not want it to be C. C is discrimination training teaches a client to respond similarly to different stimuli. Obviously, if they're responding the same way across the book bag, the book, and the plates, then that is not discriminating.
0: No, great answers. And you are correct. We are looking at that A, B, and D response here. And yeah, we want to make sure that we are teaching that discrimination. All right. So last question.
1: All right. Number three, your client sometimes engages in tangible, maintained, maladaptive behaviors. When the client begins stomping and crying, you and the mother prompt them to use their textbook, which is reinforced with the item they request. When the client stomps and cries in front of their grandparents, they give the client candy. Who is an SD for the stomping and crying behavior? A. Technician B. Mother C. Grandparents or D. All of the above?
0: So that one would be C. Grandparents. And that is because that SD that's is that reinforcement that's being provided. The S delta here would be the technician and the mother because they're not reinforcing for that tangible maintained maladaptive behavior. And then of course, we can eliminate all of the above because we've identified that the SD here is grandparents, which has happened to me in the past. (laughs) What about you?
1: Oh yeah, 100%. When grandparents come, it's like all, all rules, right? Our clients they're gonna they do a whole lot of things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And in, in so some some way, that's kind of might... how
1: it should be, right? In in some instances, right?
0: Exactly. And as technicians, I can understand that, you know, sometimes like it can be difficult to maintain, you know, that everyone is on the same page. But as Victoria said, yeah, like grandparents sometimes can act as that SD. And when they show up, they're like, you know what? all rules are out the window, whatever you want. It's okay. You can get it. Um, So great, great conversation, Victoria. Thank you for talking to me about our C7 here today.
1: Thank you so much, Dan. This is a great topic.
0: I love it. Now, if you join us for the next one, we're looking at C8, where we're implementing stimulus control and transfer procedures. So hopefully we see you then. And thank you for listening today. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the BT Focus Podcast, as we learn more about the stories and the science behind applied behavior analysis.